Hey everyone, and welcome to, back to the Illuminator's Quest podcast, where we talk everything Lorcana. I'm Zach. And I'm Jacob. And thanks for coming on this journey with us. So, the topic of today's episode is intermediate tips and tricks. So, we've been playing for, gosh, what, like almost a month now? Or a little over a month now. A little now. over a month, yeah. And we um, have learned a ton. We did a beginner's tips and tricks for kind of what we knew at that point. We want to take it to the next level and talk about some of the tips and tricks that we've learned since then and since we've really been started playing in the league and been you know playing each other more and just really like grown to learn the game even better. Mm-hmm. That's where we're at. So with that said, um, again, you can reach us at on YouTube on our YouTube channel at Illumineers Quest. You can you know message us on Twitter at Lorcanapod if you want to. Um, send us any questions or notes or comments there. We also have an email at lorconapod uh, at gmail.com where you can send us comments or notes as well if you have any feedback you want to give um, to just reach out and try to build the community and get feedback. Um, and again, like we talked about on last episode, the, the reason would be is because we're adding a questions and comments section into the, the episode. And so the question for this episode comes from Paul Walsh, and he is asking about um, the strength and willpower and how exactly the interactions from challenging go so i'll read it specifically on this one just to make sure that um we're on the right page here but um it says can you uh can you break down how strength and willpower work in layman's terms also how long does damage stay on a character thanks again so you want to kick this one off no you go for it you go for it okay so it's pretty straightforward once you learn, but it is a little different. It's harder to grasp, I think. It it's... Is, no, it, but once you learn. Once it, you it's, learn. It's a, it's a very different scenario than normal because when you attack or you challenge, the interaction on both sides happens at the same time. Yes. So both cards attack at the same time. So if I have two strength and you have two strength, both of us are taking two damage. Mm-hmm. So your strength attribute is how much damage you do to the challenging character. Mm-hmm. Your willpower is essentially your health. Mm-hmm. Your hit points, your HP. Yeah. So if you have two strength, two willpower, you deal two damage and take two damage. And so if you have two cards with two strength, two willpower against each other, both of them are gone. Like the, the smaller Sapphire, two costs Aurora, basically. If they were going against each other, they would both yeah. even out at each other and take each other out. Yep. Yep, and if you are going like a two cost and getting into his second part of the question, which is how long does damage stay on there? So, for instance, if you have a, an Aurora that you just mentioned going up against a Simba, um, the Cub on Amber, he has three willpower. So mm-hmm. Simba would deal, deal two damage to Aurora. Aurora's out because she has enough damage for her willpower. Simba has three willpower, and so he takes two damage. Mm-hmm. So he's still alive. So he gets he's still available to play next turn. So to answer the second part on how long does the damage stay on the character, it's always persistent. It's always there, even if a character shifted. So like if Aladdin Street Rat takes damage and you shift him into Aladdin Heroic Outlaw, that damage is still on Aladdin Heroic Outlaw as well. The one caveat to that is if you have a card that removes damage from a character. Or another thing too to consider is if it gets returned to your hand. That's a, that's a very I didn't even think about that until you just said that, but I knew that's where you were going, and that's a very good thing to, to 
talk through too. Um, so if, but if you don't have any, any of that, it will last on for as long as that character is, is alive. Yeah. Or gets um, challenged again and then gets eliminated and yep. then they're done. Yep. So, you know, there's, there's a bunch of cards in Amber that do healing. So like the most, you know, popular one is the Rapunzel gifted with healing. And so like her ability says, when you play this character, remove up to three damage from one of your characters. And so that's an ability that she has to take that damage off. Otherwise it would stay there. And to Jake's point, if you have a, a card like Befuddle, that's a, an action that says, you know, choose a character to put back into the player's hand. The damage doesn't go with the character into the hand. Mm-hmm. So it's probably smart not to tell someone to return to the hand if they have a bunch of damage on them. Maybe if they only have one, it's not that big a deal if they quest for a bunch. It depends on how important that card is to yeah. their overall... Depends um, on the scenario. Yep. So I hope that covers it, Paul. Um little again like jake said a little confusing at first but once you kind of get the hang of it it's pretty straightforward it took it took me quite a few youtube videos to understand the game same, so same um but we, well hopefully we can answer answer uh, any questions you you guys have yeah um and we are completely willing to do so any other questions please let us know um like we said we want this to be part of the the episode going forward and so we we please ask that everyone do so that we can you know continue to have you know this interaction absolutely um okay moving on to next card of the week all right so i i was ready for next i was ready for last week for so this is this is your go so take it away all right i'm i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with a two for one because they kind of do the same thing but i'm gonna go with fire the cannons and smash i know that's an odd one well you're going with two cards I understand where you're coming from, and I will allow it. I know. I know. <laughs> but I assumed if we were going to do a Fire the Cannons, we were never going to do a Smash, and vice versa? You can do whatever you want. Okay, so car- the cannon, the smash. cards of the week. I I play a lower-cost deck. Yep. Specifically, I, I, I do. Um, and those, and my brother plays a Steel deck. And they're a thorn in your side is what you're getting at. Yes. I hate these cards so much. <laughs> so I am I have a personal connection to these cards because I hate them. So that's why I'm talking about them. Personal vendetta against yes. Fire the Cannon and the Smash. Yes. Um, any damage, de- direct damage dealing cards like that. But specifically these two that are lower cost. They're one and two. One and two cost respectively. One and three. One and three? It, I'm, I'm think it smashes three costs. I'll, oh my I'll bad. Look, keep going, and I'll look it up real quick. My bad. Um, it is three. It is three. It is three, and, and it deals three damage. Yep. Okay. Um, I I just like there's a lot of cards like my Pascal, my my boy Pascal that Fire the Cannons takes out immediately once I play it. Um, evasive. It goes through evasive because you're yeah. not challenging. Yep. Um. And I think that this is, if you're working with any kind of steel deck, I think that these are a smart one to put in because they counter a lot of counters for steel, I think. Um, a lot of cards that would that would stop or hinder steel, you could take out with those cards. Um, so that, that, those are my picks. Those are my... That's my, a fun one. I like, I, like, I like the insight behind it, too. It's a little, it's a little different. It's a little different, but that, that's my pick. No, I like it. I think it's, I think it's a good. I think it gives you insight into your play style, why it's annoying. It's fun to see the interaction there. So I think that's way better than mine last week on the Elsa. That's but. my personal cards of the week. Yeah, my very personal. I like it. 
Okay, so news slash what's on our mind. Anything that you would like to to say today? Not, I mean, I so I hope I hope for the next few uh, episodes here I can talk more about my league, but I've not been able to participate um, as much in that um, lately. Um, just having um, just playing with my friends and family a little bit still, um, trying to master the deck I'm working on. Um, but I don't, I don't have a whole ton to report on. The only thing that I would say is that you just had a birthday. I'm getting ready to have a birthday. We're yep. going to have a like battle birthday party, a if you will. A birthday bash. Yeah, there we go. and it's not really a party. It's more just we're using that as the excuse to get together <laughs> yes. again. Very much and so. To, to play each other. And so it, it's been a while since like us have been able to sit down and just play. You know, yep. I don't think we have since like launch weekend. Launch weekend was. I mean, we've definitely played a bunch. We've played. We, a bunch. It just hasn't been us sitting down and playing, just us. Hopefully, we can and so get I'm looking the. For, and so I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, we can get the the old group back together from launch day and uh, and all play each other again. Yeah. It'll be a good time. Yeah. So I, I mean, again, that's you know that's kind of where I'm at. You know, it's it, we've played a bunch. We talk about it all the time. We discuss it nonstop, but it hasn't been. We haven't been able to just sit down with just us and play. So that's what I'm excited about coming here shortly. And we'll report back on that as well on our, on our next episode. I have, I have a few decks still not fully you know built out yet because of the legendary shortages, if you will. <laughs> that's that's um, fine. And we might have to like shift a few cards around here and there you know, between ourselves for the, time, for the day yep. to build out some decks. But yep. Nonetheless, it's gonna be fun. I can't wait to play your dad either. I want I want to show him some of the new skills that we've that we've learned in the meantime since that launch weekend. He's been he's been blown away. I've been teaching him some of the new stuff we've been learning. Oh, you can't be teaching him. I've been just throwing some hints. Let's say that okay. I haven't been That's fully fair. teaching him. I've just That's been fair. like, hey, I know you don't think this is possible, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> okay, I like it. I like it. Um. Yeah, you know, it's just, again, one of those things that we came into this wanting to play, wanting to learn the game. We've spent so much time learning the game. In the last couple weeks, we've all been so busy that we haven't had the time. So just, again, that's what's on my mind. You know, the the chance to get back down there and play with each other and just have fun again. You know, have a good Lorcana sesh with all our buddies. I'm excited. Okay, and I think that leads us in pretty short intro, but I think that leads us into the the topic of the day. All right. So next level tips and tricks. So this is this is kind of that next level of you know you know how to play the game. You you know you have a grasp on like how to do the basics. You know the basic ins and outs. But you want to level up your skills. Yeah. You want to get better. You want to be able to stick it to your friends. You want to you know maybe want to do a little bit better in your league matches. Hopefully this helps you out a little bit. All right, let's go for it. Let's help you guys out. The the biggest thing that I didn't consider near enough as much as I should have when I started was comboing cards. Yep. So comboing cards and, you know, more, I guess, layman's terms is like using two or more cards together to accomplish like one goal. Mm -hmm. So my favorite one, and I'm sure I've talked about this a hundred times already, you know what's coming is Lilo and Simba on Amber. It's my favorite aggro style by far. It gets you out really quick. And so, again, for people that haven't played the the Lilo Simba on on Amber, 
Lilo is a one cost card. She quests for two, but she only has one willpower and one strength. So she's getting taken out by everything, and she's not going to take out anything either. So having Simba come in, who is a two cost card, but has three willpower and bodyguard, is going to protect Lilo. Mm -hmm. So let's just assume the scenario where you play Lilo first turn, your opponent isn't able to play a one cost card. So your second turn you quest and play Simba. Um, they play a character most likely aren't going to challenge that turn because the ink isn't dry. So then you quest again. And then on the third turn they have to fight Simba. And so you're able to quest again. And so just you know using on her own, Lilo is fine. But on her are not on her own when you consider with Simba she's able to quest for six or eight maybe I, it's, and it's just it's really annoying to deal with and almost impossible to deal with at that point if you're just trying to depending I mean, on your deck I mean to your card of the day if you've got fire the cannons or you've got smash or something like that like you can deal with it a little bit quicker but if you're not playing a card that can deal with something that fast or just don't pull that in your opening hand then you could be behind you know eight nine to nothing like right off the bat. And so the, the the theme of that is using cards together to find the synergies and like really think through how you want to use those and get and set up a situation where you can do that. Yep, 100%. Um, and I mean, there's also some more obvious synergies that are written on the cards themselves. Oh, absolutely. Probably should have started with that. There's Floatsome and Jetsome that work really well together. They give each other abilities. Give each other evasive. Give each other rush. Um, there's Anna and Elsa that yep. that works together real well. Yep. Um, kind of ups each other's abilities that they've already do. Um, I would even say like Pascal. You know, it's, it's pretty straightforward that he works with other characters too, or any other character because he gains evasive when you have any other character. So yep. again, by himself, not too strong. With another character, relatively strong. Um, there's cards that don't necessarily like interact with each other, but when you put both of them on the board at the same time, it's very annoying. Like I would say like a, a Cheshire Cat and maybe Flynn Rider in Emerald. That's one of my favorite combos to have out there too. Um, because there's, there's a negative if you take out either of them and it's, they have to choose one. So you're questing for four if they do nothing. Yep. Or you can challenge and take out and lose a card. Or you have to have, again, you know, dragon fire, grab your sword, something of those, you know, smash to, to take it out otherwise. And so, yeah, I, I think that when we started and we were playing, we didn't really look. It was more just like, what's the best card to play for this one turn versus like thinking a few turns into mm -hmm. the future. And so really like trying to understand that next level of couple moves. And I think then that transitions us perfectly into the the next thing to talk about which is understanding what you want to accomplish in the early game the middle game and the late game it's very important to have a goal i, th I think it's the just to head that off it is a very very important to have a goal with your deck absolutely and again i think that's something we vastly over or at least myself definitely yeah. missed yeah. when we started it was like okay i know that i need to build a deck that has low cost cards so that i can play early has higher cost cards so they're more powerful and can quest for more or deal more damage but it was more just treating the game as a race it's like i'm going to do this and i'm going to try to quest and you're going to try to stop me and we're going to deal with it on a turn-by-turn -turn basis 
versus you know if you have a very low cost aggressive deck that tries to get out quick and quest fast then you have to be you know ready to do that you have to get out and you have to be ready to quest quick so that you can get ahead and build a lead mm -hmm. and then you know maybe the mid game of your aggressive deck is to you know keep those cards on the board so either protecting those cards or, slow down your opponent yeah slow down your opponent whatever it might be um to keep them from catching up to you mm -hmm. you know on the other side control decks like the you know the really popular mickey brave little taylor elsa spirit of winter and aladdin heroic outlaw deck is that they try to keep the board clear early on and once you know you've built up enough ink to get into those cards then you can really just punish your opponent because they quest for a ton their abilities are really overpowering and it's just hard for your opponent to even get on the board at that point so you can really stall your opponents out at like 17 18 19 lore yeah and i mean there's like to go back to our, our previous conversation with combos is there's a lot of there's a lot of cards that work together that don't necessarily aren't obvious um that will work to your goal um that that work together for your goal um so i think it's it's important to learn as much as you can about each individual especially like if there's an ink that you choose specifically that you want to work with you can find another ink that pairs with that for your goal um but overall it is the most important thing to to understand your deck fully before anything else yeah i mean absolutely and and, and on that same vein like what the tempo of your deck is mm -hmm. you know and, and i kind of touched on it already with the 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 aggro and control you know the tempo or how fast you want to go with an aggressive deck is really fast get out fast quest 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 put so much pressure on your opponent that they can't catch up you know mm -hmm. on a control deck it's very slow try to keep the board clear try to build up your ink well try to you know just keep things at a very low pace until you're able to play your high cost cards and then bombard them mm -hmm. and so you know again it's really just thinking through not just every move as you get to it but it's thinking through five or six moves ahead so that when you do get to it you know what you're wanting to do because you've already built up a plan to get there. And I'll, I'll speak from experience here. I play a very low-cost aggro deck. Um, Grab Your Swords and Mother Gothel are the two most annoying cards in in the game. And that there's there's cons to what your tempo is. Um, there's always a con because um, there's ways that your opponents can deal with that, that tempo that you're doing. So you have to, no pun intended, be prepared. Oh, Oh, for I like it. what your opponent might do yep and how they might try to change that tempo um so that's that's when kind of you you have your main idea your main tempo and then you work in counters for your like counters for the counters for your deck correct correct um and i think that is something i'm still mastering if learning uh still trying to fully grasp um i think they're there's, there's easier decks to, to learn than others. Um, so I, I think it's very helpful to be in a league or in a local gaming store. So you can kind of, you know, a bunch of people playing a bunch of different decks. So you can kind of learn the ins and outs of everything and kind of see what you like. Um, but overall, it's just a lot of testing, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, along along that same line, I mean, it's, 
it's just understanding what you want to do too. Like you said, I mean, it's, it's not a matter of like, there's a right or wrong answer. Mm -hmm. It's, you just have the plan and you build it out the way that you want to. And it's okay to, to do any of those different, you know, styles, as long as you're comfortable with it and you understand the tempo, the end goal you're trying to get to, you know, what you want to do early game, what you want to do mid game, what you want to do late game. And so that kind of does summarize everything we said really well. I'm like, bringing all those into one picture and, and making sure that you're doing a good job of understanding the flow of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the next one for me would definitely be, it's okay to get behind. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely would get very flustered in the beginning if I got behind, I don't know, four to 10, you know, if I, if I was behind in that like realm, I would be like, I'm done game over. Yep. Yeah. I wasn't prepared on how to deal with those situations. Another no pun intended. Another no pun intended. I didn't say be prepared on that one. Um, <laughs> I mean, you worked in Close it a little enough. bit. Close, Close enough. enough. And so there's kind of two things that are very linked together here. One, it's okay to get behind. But two, understand what you're going to do when that happens. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, how are you going to stall them? What cards do you have in your deck? to keep them from continuing to grow that lead or to stall them out or to keep them from questing more. So the example you just gave perfectly would be Mother Gothel. So for instance, if you're down four to 10, but you have Mother Gothel, and when Mother Gothel quests, your opponent is unable to quest. Mm -hmm. And so if they're not prepared to deal with the Mother Gothel, then they lose the game. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to be behind, just have a plan for what you do when that happens. Very much so. Um, one of the hardest things to do with an aggro deck is play from behind. It's almost impossible to win in, with an aggro deck Correct. when you're playing from behind. Correct. Um, so I think you have much more experience in that realm of things from playing from behind. Um, I am trying to accumulate cards so I can build a deck that will allow me to play from behind. Um, so like Elsa's and Maleficent's, things like that. Um but I, I, again, I've not very been that position where I've been able yeah. to, to work with that. You're much. an aggro deck guy. I'm a control deck guy, so it mm-hmm. makes sense, you know. And and so that's why I, I kind of wanted to play control a little bit is mm-hmm. because I was very uncomfortable being behind. Mm-hmm. And so you know, putting yourself in a position where you work to play from behind, it does force you into building those habits that enable you to be okay with that. If and also if you're playing a more controlled deck. You have to be very adaptive. Like your mind has to work a little differently than the Nagro deck. Because you and have to be okay with your opponent being at fourteen and you being at two. There's also you can make bad decisions a lot easier with a deck like that. Um, you can. With, with an aggro deck, you kind of look what's in your hand and play everything. Um, with with a uh, with a control deck, you have to play very carefully. Yeah. Um, very true. I, I agree with that. And, and, and to your point on playing carefully, I mean, you have to you know, play carefully because if you don't stall your opponents at the right time, then it can run away from you. Mm-hmm. And so like the, the deck that I play uses Dragonfire at a five drop or five cost um, ink and then be prepared at seven. And so if you're ready, you know, if you have a, an opponent with four or five cards on the board already at you know, cost five, then you can only take one of them off. If you can stall to where they only have one or two on the board at five, 
then you can take off half of their questing ability until you get to seven and then you get to seven and you can take the whole board off because be prepared removes all cards from both players all characters from both players and so you just you know you really have to understand that stalling power that your deck has you know the the most common cards i think that people use to stall are all the abilities you know you can use characters with like rush or reckless to get out there and to do a lot of damage and to mm-hmm. challenge characters and that's definitely part of it as well but i you know the first big thing that comes to mind would be dragonfire be prepared elsa elsa which we'll get to in a second because that one's a really special one but you know fire the cannons like you talked about that's really annoying one to deal with and can just take players off the board especially low cost cards grab your swords we talked about that smash like all of the abilities that deal a bunch of damage or take cards off the board are really big ones and then when you get to the late game you get to elsa to your point which you know exerts which elsa the spirit of winter the legendary one has the ability that exerts two of the opposing characters and doesn't allow them to ready back up and so if they only have two characters on the board you exert them both that means their next turn is useless because they can't quest or challenge and so you're able to just go on and do your your bidding at that point yeah so yeah it's just it's again it's being it's being okay with being uncomfortable and being okay with playing from behind and understanding what you have to do and those are just kind of a few of the examples on what to do when you get in that position Mm -hmm. so um the next one is how to ramp your ink up and how to kind of stay in the game while you do that you know we've said on a couple previous episodes that you know, heavy inking is a little overrated, and I still stick by that. You know, if you can't just go out and ink a bunch without any real strategy to reset, and so this kind of incorporates a little bit of that in there too on like, you know, how and when to reset. And what I mean by that is, is if you, you know, you ink your entire hand and you, you know, are trying to top deck your card, um, you're gonna be in a bad, bad spot because you're just at the mercy of your deck at that point. Mm-hmm. But if you ink your entire hand and have one card left and that one card is a whole new world then you get to draw seven more cards yep and so being in a situation where you're inking a lot but not over inking what you're drawing so the other option would be your favorite amethyst Mm -hmm. and you can draw a bunch of cards yep i think i think the most important thing if i mean usually an ink building deck is sapphire um i think the most important thing is you can't you know, you really can't just do like a Sapphire Ruby, you know, and just be like, I'm building my ink up with Sapphire for all my aggressive Ruby cards. You need something else to build up. Um, your hand. Your hand, basically. And that, that's uh, that's Steel, that's Amethyst. Um, you need you need that secondary build up besides the ink build up. Yeah, there's, there's a couple ways to draw cards. I mean, the most common and most popular is Amethyst because it's the most straightforward. Mm-hmm. Very straightforward. You also have Amber, which does some healing and does some card draw with Stitch and Rapunzel. So mm-hmm. Stitch gets to draw a card every time he plays a one or two cost card and exerts them. So you can draw a card there. Rapunzel gets to draw cards when she removes damages from characters. So you get to draw cards there. And so if you want to have a heavy deck and you want to have a late game where you can play a bunch or have a heavy inkwell, you just have to be in a position where until you get to that point, you're able to draw a lot of cards because otherwise your hand's going to run low really fast. Yep. 
So, I mean, the I think the the main focus of all this is really to have a plan. And again, I'm going to say personal experience here. And so that's, that's kind of all of the, the main notes that we talked about. I mean, I have another one that says, you know, playing from behind, but I kind of already touched on all that mm-hmm. is, you know, just really understanding that it's okay to be behind and just have a plan. But hundred percent personal experience here, you know, the, the initial play when we did this from the start was on a turn by turn basis. I had no, on turn one, I had no sense of what I was going to do in turn three except for play a three-cost card. Yeah. It was like, on turn one, I'm going to play a one-cost card. On turn two, I'm going to play a two-cost card. And on turn three, I'm going to play a three-cost card. There's probably zero synergies between them. There's probably zero playing into the future even further and understanding what you want to do. And so have a plan. Try to execute that plan. As you put very well, when your opponent disrupts that plan, how do you counter their counter? Mm-hmm. So... Be flexible, but use your knowledge of the game and your knowledge of the characters and cards to build out a full game strategy. So what do you want to do in the first three turns? You know, three or four turns, that's your early game. What do you want to do in the middle of the game? You know, as, you know, turns like four through eight. And then how do you want to close out the game? You know, what are the cards that you have in your deck that are going to hammer it and, and like take you to the finish line? And I think the the second to your your point uh, a little bit ago too is learn the game. I think that's the second biggest point is like I know for you and me it's been multiple other content creators but mostly it's been the app is that's just the easy way the official Organa app is one of the easiest ways to just study the game you know you can you can break it down with like certain filters and stuff Um, but I think that's for me that's the easiest way that I just learned all the cards and um, I think it's the second biggest, biggest thing is just learn the cards learn the synergies learn the game yeah yeah and and I guess the, 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 the final thing that I would say is if you have a deck and you keep getting beat and it, you're struggling to win, if you don't understand why, then it's going to be hard to make changes to get better. You have so, to be honest with yourself. So, yeah, we, I think, and we were both actually very good at this early on, is we both had decks, they were terrible, we iterated pretty quickly off of that. And tried to make things better. And so if you have a deck that's not working, you try really hard to understand what weakness you have that's being exploited. Mm-hmm. So whether it be you have an aggro deck and you're not getting out quick enough, and so your opponent is able to keep up, and then if you have an aggro deck that's really low cost, you know once you get into the later games, it's going to be hard because the expensive cards in your opponent's decks are going to outpower yours, and it's going to be hard to... To keep up at that point, so you have to get out from the beginning. So the, the the point there is, don't be afraid to make changes. Understand why you're losing. Try to figure out what the hole in your deck is, or the hole in your strategy. Maybe your deck's fine, and your strategy, or the way that you're you know you manipulating the cards throughout your turns is not working, or you're inking the wrong things, or you're not playing in the right combos that you need to. Figure out what problems are not working and iterate from there yep so yeah i mean i know that's a lot and that's pretty dense but i think that should hopefully steer people in the right direction i think and i think that's just a culmination of everything we've learned so far the more the more heavier stuff the more stuff that takes time to learn um 
And these are just some of the big takeaways from that. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we, we've been writing a bunch of notes on, like, what we've learned since we started to, and we'll definitely, like, do a reflection at some point on, like, where we started versus where we are now. But as, as far as, like, getting to that next level, so, again, to, to, like, fully wrap this up, you know, if you want to take your play to the next level, you know, there's there's the players that get in and play the game very casually and have fun and kind of just, you know, very you know, nonchalantly play each hand like we kind of talked about. And there's no problem with that. No, absolutely No problem enough. If if you want to be a casual, like, I would say your family, aside from you, is very casual in this compared to us. I would Mm -hmm. say the same for my family that we've played. Um, They don't want to get into it this deep, and there's definitely nothing wrong with that. But if you do want to go to a league or you do want to improve your skills or you do want to get better because you enjoy it that much, you really have to analyze the gameplay you really have to think through a full strategy and not just play turn by turn in a vacuum. You have to think about all of the moves and how they're going to work together and how you're going to deal with what your opponent throws your way. And so ask us questions. You know, We're here to help if, you, if there's something that you are stuck on or you have a deck that you want to share and you want to say, what's the problem with this one or where's a potential weakness? Like, Please reach out. You know, that's what we want to do is we want to help, you know, build a community and try to help each other out and make each other better. And so I think that's the the opportunity to grow is to ask people and, and learn from their experiences. And that's why I've learned as much as I have this time is because we had kind of a, a TCG master mm-hmm. that I went up against in one of the league nights and he taught me a boatload in about 45 minutes. Yeah, incredible. So, yeah, if, if you're stuck, ask someone for help. Ask some questions. Try to get help from someone locally. Again, like I said, we're here to help and would love to answer some questions as well. And so just take it to the next level. Think through your full gameplay. Have a plan. Have a strategy. And try to execute strategy. If it doesn't work, iterate. Try to make it better. Adapt. Adapt. Adapt, adapt, adapt. You can never say that enough. Nope. Okay, I think that covers this one. Um, I really enjoyed this one. I yeah, enjoyed it a lot. I, I think this is cool because it really shows how far we've come, like you said. Yeah. I mean, all of this that we talked about today has definitely been learned since we started. There was a lot we learned before to get prepared to play, but none of that was like strategy. All of that was just the surface level. I ink this, I play this, I exert this. Yeah, I do deal so much damage. That's just like the fundamentals of the game. This is like really the strategy behind how to play. And so it's fun to see how much we're progressing and how our perspective on the game has changed so much in such a short period of time. No, we're 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 adapting. That's good. <laughs> I think we're still I think we're still noobs. A lot more to learn. I think we're still noobs. I think I'm still probably f- 5 or 6 out of 10. Maybe maybe a 6 or 7 out of 10 on my not definitely not a seven. Five or six we, out of ten. I think we can say we're we're both five six range. Yeah, I for think sure. five six out of ten on like my abilities comparatively, you know, to the masters of TCG. Um, but that's the cool part too. Is there's so much to learn. We have so much more to go. So yeah, it's it's an exciting journey, and and we're happy to be on with everyone. All right, thank you guys so much. Yeah, thanks again, everyone, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.